Welcome to Relationships Reclaimed, where we talk about anything and everything relationship-related with Ariane and Vicki. All right, Vicki. Ariane, we have a special guest today. And I know I'm and you're going to introduce her. I'm so excited. I'm going to I know. I'm, OK, so I'm going to introduce her. So today, listeners, we have a very special guest. I'm so excited about this um, guest because I love what we're going to be talking about. Uh, so today we have Kate Hadfield. So Kate is a naturopathic doctor with a special interest in pelvic health, and she's a certified birth doula and a holistic care, a holistic pelvic care practitioner. And she is only one of two in Alberta people, one of two. Mm -hmm. And she's been practicing for eight years now. So Kate, welcome so much to the Relationships Reclaim podcast. Well, thank you for having me. We're so excited because I I feel like this topic, um, I mean, at least for myself, um, I was really detached from. Wait, let's um, just share what topic we're talking about. Okay. Yes. That's a good idea. Yeah. I just want to dive in. Come I know, on. right? She gets so excited. She just like, I'm like, hey, let's rein it in a little bit. Let's pull back. I love your enthusiasm. She pause. <laughs> okay. What is the topic? So we're going to talk about, Kate, relationship with pelvic health, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes, because that's your that's a focus for you. That's a primary focus for you. And uh, like you're saying, Vicki, it's not talked about enough. It's not. So listeners, I just want to preempt this actually. So yes, women, this is for you. And men, this is for you. And I I think really, let's um, kind of say a little bit more about men, because I feel like, and maybe Kate, you can elaborate a little bit more on it. But um, I think that like when I went through my own process and my own journey with my own pelvic health, um, my husband was an uh, integral part of that process because there were certain things that I needed from him in order to um, like, whether that was support or whether that was, what does our sex life look like? Or, you know, so my partner, my husband was actually an important piece. So the more that men know, I think about what goes on for women in their public mm-hmm. health is really can be a, a really um, huge asset and a loving act for, for the women in your life. Yeah. Would you say that, Kate? Like, do you have anything else that you'd like to say about that? Yeah, I, I totally agree. So this this whole notion of what is is pelvic health, um, when we talk about pelvic health, I think most of our mind goes to pelvic floor and something to do with kegels. And that's true, but I think that we can really broaden our understanding of what pelvic health is to include the pelvic floor, but also what else is going on there. So, you know, for for women, we have a uterus and ovaries and even a bladder, even part of your digestive system is back there, right? The rectum is back there. And that should also all be considered part mm-hmm. of the pelvic health because they all talk to each other and they're all located very close to each other. And so if something is going on with one aspect of it, it will um, connect with everything else and impact everything else that's going on. So I really like to go beyond the pelvic floor. We talk about pelvic health and then we can take it even further and talk about that mental emotional piece with pelvic um, health in general. And then that really touches on what you were saying, Vicki, with, you know, how your partner was playing a role in there as well. Um, because if we're going into the mental emotional realm with pelvic health, we need to expand it to talk about, you know, boundaries, mm-hmm. um, consent and, you know, who are we inviting into this area of our body? What are we carrying of our past experience? is here too. Right. So yes, I totally agree that partners could be a very big, big role here. Okay. So you're a naturopathic doctor. How did you come to focus in this area? Yeah. So um, I've always been very interested in women's health and specifically perinatal health. So pregnancy, fertility, postpartum, hormones, all that type of thing. And then when I was going to a naturopathic medical school, so CCNM, which is the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, I started having a lot of pain on my lower right side. Um, and it wasn't all the time, but when it was present, it was it was fairly severe and I couldn't figure out what was 
going on, but I had a sense that it was probably like <laughs> ovarian related in some way. I had some imaging done. And what I found was that um, my right ovary was enlarged, but only post ovulation. And it was stumping all the doctors that I was uh, just getting their opinions on. No one could understand it. And any type of research I was doing on it, any everything that was coming up was um, just PCOS. So polycystic ovarian syndrome related. There was nothing I could see about an enlarged ovary. And so I was just kind of continuing on with school. And then I attended a virtual conference where the guest speaker was Tammy Kent. Love her. The, oh, we just love Tammy so much. So she's a, um, a physical therapist, just what they're called in the state. So basically a physio who specializes in pelvic floor. And she's the one who created the holistic pelvic care framework. Um, and so listening to her speak about pelvic health, pelvic floor health, the energetics associated with everything. It was just one of those moments where kind of everything I was interested in came together at this nexus. And I was just like, yes, I knew this was out there somewhere. I just didn't know where. And this is the person I have been looking for. Awesome. And so I found out about her books and her work. And then a couple of years later, I was able to travel to Portland and do the hands-on training with her. And through her work and getting some more body work done, um, I was really to connect. I was really able to connect my right-sided enlarged ovarian issues with this notion of um, kind of getting things done and seeing things through to completion. And we can kind of get into that later about different energies and what they're associated with, but it really connected with her framework um, and the whole framework of holistic pelvic care. So that's how I started to get into it. And then I think being able to blend the hands-on work with naturopathic medicine is just a beautiful combination because not only can we do hands-on work for pelvic floor, but then I can also address any like underlying hormonal imbalances that are going on, dietary issues, mm-hmm. you know, period health, like everything. So I just think the two blend together so beautifully. It's very holistic. It's not black and white. Oh, I love that. I do love it too. And and I, I have to say, I don't, I mean, I know Kate a little bit. I joined her book club um, called Wild Feminine. And so we are reading the book Wild Feminine by um, Tammy Lynn Kent. I'm learning about my pelvic health and my pelvic bowl, which I have been so disconnected from. And so I'm wondering when you see clients or patients, I don't know what you call them. I prefer to refer to them as clients. I just think it's a more balanced relationship and less of a power differential. Right. I like that. I like that answer. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> so when you see clients, do they, are a lot of them very well informed about pelvic health care? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe the odd one, like, like for sure. I've had a couple who have, you know, gone to a workshop or have read Tammy's work or, or something like that. And they're really fun to work with because they, they've all, they're already on board. Yes, I bet. Like, I don't have to explain things to them, but I would say they're probably, you know, maybe 10%, if not less of who I'm working with. Most women that I'm working with Mm -hmm. are, it's basic, you know, they, they know something is going on, but they just don't quite know what. So there's a very big education piece involved there. Yes. I imagine there would be. Um, as you're talking, I'm reflecting on my own pelvic health. And you had mentioned a little bit about um, the hormones as well. And I've struggled over um, numerous, uh, over a decade, probably two decades, with migraines. And they're all centered around my period and my cycle. So I know that they're hormone related. And so do you ever work uh, with something like that as well? Like, is there a connection? Because when I think about pelvic health, like it's like you're just focused in on the pelvis, right? But it actually affects the rest of your body um, in different ways. Right. So can you say a little bit about that? Well, of course. And that's kind of the, the broader definition that I'm hoping to to bring to the community that, you know, yes, you're getting migraines that are associated with some time, like some time of the month, with some type of hormonal fluctuation going on. But of course, that is also pelvic health because it's probably related to what your ovaries are doing since they're a major producer of sex hormones. Right. And so we need to think about pelvic health in relation to period health as well. These two things are completely connected. Um, you know, so migraines can happen during 
you know, getting your period or around ovulation or what have you, you know, there's really no specific time. We can also expand that to say, well, you know, what else is going on around your cycle, right? Around, around your period. Like some people will have digestive upsets at that time. Other people will have other issues come up. Like, like there's, there's such a disconnect with saying like, well, we have to treat the migraine or we have to treat the digestive concern. And then the hormonal health or the period health is separate. And they're not, they're completely interconnected and we need to start viewing things that way. There's like this notion that we're, we're separated in all different areas, but we're a whole person and we're complex. Exactly. And period health too, I think should really start to be started, starting to be viewed as another vital sign. Um, so I, I love this type of thought that I'm starting to see more and more of out there is that, you know, if something is is off with your period, you know, with your cycle, we need to view that with a much more serious lens mm-hmm. than we have been. You know, we tend to just dismiss that, be like, oh, you skipped a period this month or oh, it was late or oh, you had a really crampy time or whatever. That needs to be viewed as another vital sign. Just like if your heart rate was doing something weird or your respiratory rate or your blood pressure went sky high, we would take that fairly seriously. We should start viewing our periods the exact same way. I love that. Yeah. It's kind of blowing my mind a little bit because I I went through a very long time, a very stressful period of my life where I I did not get my period for maybe two years. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or something. And I never thought anything of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't think anything of it. My doctor didn't. Like it was like that's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. And it's making me think about how how I view that, like how I went through that. And I mean, there was a lot going on in my life that I probably couldn't at the time. But now that I know that that is something to be looked at, because yeah. I am definitely on the very beginning journey of learning about this. So which is very exciting for me and a little intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so, why, like, why isn't this being talked about? Why are we not being educated on this? As women, what the shit is going on? Like, yeah. it makes me a bit angry. And it should. It should make you a bit angry. You know, we talked, this came up in the last book club session too, right? You know, we need to have some righteous rage here. Yeah. I love that. Righteous rage. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, <I> like <laughs> yes. I did not coin that term. I'm pretty sure that came from um, women who, what is it, Dance with Wolves? I think it's in that book. Oh, okay. You're going to trend it now, though. Yeah, not, can't, can't copyright yeah. that. But I really like that because, you know, we're so not socialized to be angry. Um, and, but there is so much to be said for righteous rage. And when it comes to, you know, intentionally being misinformed about our bodies, and this is not an accident that we don't know these things. Right. Yes. We should be upset about that with the intention of shifting it. Yes. I love that. Big time. Do you think that some of that is due to um, like women needing to be there for other people rather than for themselves? So the focus is then away from ourselves and from our body? Mm. No, I think that receptivity quality is a very strong feminine principle. And it's a very, it's very much a superpower that we have that ability to be so receptive. I think it's actually a bit more nefarious than that. And if you look um, historically, you know, there are there's been these very large power structures like the church primarily um, and various governments and belief patterns and cultures that have very, very systematically denigrating women's bodies, um, who have persecuted wise women of the of the tribe, essentially, and uh, have just shoved so much shame um, for processes that are inherently ours and that we can draw so much mm. power from. You know, I, I think that historically society has been very afraid of an empowered woman. And I don't think that that's any different these days. I think we have an acceptable yes. version of what empowerment should look like, but a woman who is truly empowered and will um, do what she wants and ask inconvenient questions, I don't think we're comfortable with that just yet. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. It's almost like that cellular transference of the past is still trying to repair what has been broken about who women are. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, talking about female anatomy is a really great way to highlight that as well. Some people will use the term yoni 
in, you know, instead of using the term vagina. And I totally get that. I still use the term vagina just because most people know what that is. And when I'm doing a physical assessment, I want to make sure everyone knows exactly what we're doing before we do it, right? But the term vagina, if you look at the Latin root of it, it actually means sheath. Right. Nadine mentioned this in the sacred sexuality. I was like, of course it does. Right. So so that, you know, sheath obviously (laughs) means something. And so, you know, that aspect of our anatomy isn't named in an autonomous way. It's in relation to something external. So like there's there's that one. Right. One of my favorite, you know, favorites in quotation marks is the pudendal nerve. And so the pudendal nerve is one of the main nerves that innervates the perineum, which is that area of your, your external pelvic floor. If you look at the origin of the term pudendal, um, pudendum, it means shame. Oh. Wow. It actually translates to shame. And this is still taught in right. you know physiotherapy school and medical school. It is completely still acceptable to be referred to as the pudendal nerve. So literally, this area of our body is called shame. I mean, that is shocking. It's shocking. I'm, I'm, I don't even know what to say. Like, I want to laugh because I'm so pissed off. That blows like, that's my just mind. Atrocious. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's atrocious. Yeah. And so there's that one. You know, if you think of the term hysteria, you know, oh, you're being so hysterical. Yes. What's the origin of that? Well, it's uterus, right? Hysterectomy. Oh, my God. There's that one. If... um. If you go into, you know, if you have a shortened cervix during pregnancy, you know, and you're going into premature labor, it's called an incompetent cervix. Right. Oh, I can keep going. Like there are like medical language is just riddled Mm -hmm. with these types of derogatory, offensive, misogynistic terms. And, you know, that is a huge problem. It is a huge problem. It is. It's such a huge problem. Before talking with you, I had no idea that that's what those meant, right? Um, but I'm wondering if there's some of that um, kind of past energy that kind of follows with us without us even knowing. Well, language is very important, right? You know, the types of words we choose, how, like you know, we're talking about relationships, our relationships with language, especially with our body, they matter, they really yes. do matter. Um, you know, one thing that comes up a lot um, as a birth doula is when I, you know, women are getting close to their due dates and there's a very big push um, from the medical mm-hmm. profession to induce pretty early on. They don't like going past 40 weeks. Um, and so the phrase you'll often hear women say is that, well, my doctor won't let me go past, you know, 40 weeks or 41 weeks. And I really would emphasize you just slow down, be like, your doctor won't right. let you. Right. Even as you said it, I was like not cluing in. And then you said that. Yes, it's your body. Yeah. Oh, really? Are they going to force you to have an induction? Um, you know, it, but that language is just like no one looks at it. Um, so we have to have such a bigger conversation around yes. informed consent and autonomy and looking at our healthcare professionals, myself included, as an opinion. That's all we are. We are presenting you with what we feel is a good option. And then it's your choice. Because I believe, and I don't know if you, I think this is on your website, something about how you say that like the women know more about themselves than anyone else. So like, and you're just there to like kind of help them. Right. And there, there is, and I'm starting to learn that a little bit, bit by bit for myself of, oh, like I am the expert on my body. I've been looking outside of myself for people to tell me what's going on and, and what to do. And, and for sure, there's some guidance needed, but I don't have to always take that advice. I have to, I should really digest that and like feel into it, lean into it. And that's what I'm starting to do and question like what, what is going on? Listening to what my body is actually saying to me, right? It's beautiful. And that I think is mm-hmm. big listening to the, what your body is saying. And it's, you know, what you're saying too, Ariane is similar to what we do as therapists, right? It's, we're not doing the work. Yeah. It's our client. They have all that they need within themselves. Mm-hmm. We're just shining the light to where they might want to look, yeah. right? And so it's kind of similar in that respect. But that part where you said listening to your body, mm-hmm. given the traumas and the experiences that I've had in my own life, really had me disconnected from my body. Yeah. 
And so it was my body is a betrayal. Mm. I can't be connected to my body because my body hurts. Yeah. Like it hurts me. I can't I can't listen to it because it only has bad things to say, I guess, is a, a simple way to put it. And so over the years, I've been really trying to um, reconnect and really listen. What is my body needing mm-hmm. right now? What is happening right now? So I'm wondering on that term or on that topic of, you know, that past experiencing influencing my uh, perception of my body and how I'm in relationship with my body and then also my pelvic health. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is a hard, hard thing to go through. Yeah. Like that journey, it's it can be really painful. And like you said, Kate, that emotional, there's a lot of an emotional um, piece that follows with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's so much shame held in our pelvic bowls. Right. And shame is such a barrier to getting through all of that and, you know, moving forward on your journey, right? Shame just shuts everything down. And this area of the body is really where we hold shame, both from our past experiences and the fact that there's so much shame associated culturally with this area of our body. Yes. Right. And and that piece around trauma and our bodies being able to talk to us, you help your clients with that, right? like understand maybe what's going on with their bodies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think, I don't, I don't think we've done it yet, but, but the type of uh, the pelvic care that I've, I practice, yeah. so it's called holistic pelvic care. And so it's, it's this framework developed by Tammy Kent from the States. Um, and really it's gentle internal pelvic body work, or some people even refer to it as vaginal massage. So it is internal work. It's similar to what a physio does, except we overlay it with this mental emotional lens. And so sometimes um, women will come in and they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm having a lot of pelvic pain or pain with sex or painful periods, whatever. And once we do the internal assessment, we can really isolate like where exactly are you feeling the most pain? Like what side is it on? And then using this type of framework um, that can help guide us as to, well, maybe this pain is associated with this type of experience or this type of relationship you have right now with a variety of things in your life. So that's what I love so much about this work is that it provides that framework and that understanding. And having that support system, um, the emotional support is so important because like I remember when I was going to a physical therapist for my pelvic health and it was like thought of being triggered in some way. Like, how do we work around if something like that happens? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, having that support to be able to get the physical help where the emotional kind of triggering and response might be getting in the way of getting that physical yeah. And and that's what led uh, Tammy to really develop this, too, is that she was practicing as a physical therapist for a long time. And sometimes, you know, while doing internal work, especially muscle release, women would just kind of start spontaneously crying and she'd be like, OK, I don't really know what's going on right now. Yeah. See you next week. And, Right. And and then she started to kind of merge all these different understandings and philosophies together to provide that context. Um, and so I think that that can be really true. And we don't mm-hmm. always know why things come up. Right. Like we could be working in a particular area of the pelvic floor and someone starts crying or there's a big emotion that comes up and we don't always know mm-hmm. why. And that's OK. You don't have to always know the why. You just have to provide the space and containment for it right beautiful I love that so much because where do we get that where in the world like no you go get have a pap test and so clinical and so right like it's not the relationship right yeah and and this is something I developed last year in my practice too is uh, what I called empowered paps because I think Paps are really important, obviously. Cervical health specifically is very important, but we don't understand it well enough in our society. We think that we just go get a pap and that's the extent of how we take care of our cervix. And most people don't even really understand what a cervix is either. So I created empowered paps. 
so women can have an opportunity to come in, have some education around cervical health and how you can actually influence your cervical health beyond Mm -hmm. having a pap as well. And then we do a pap exam where you're really a participant in the experience. So um, I give the option to women, you know, if they want to insert the speculum themselves, they're welcome to do so. And I can merely just kind of guide it from that angle. If they want to do it all by themselves, even the the swab collection, I can leave the room and they're welcome to do that as well. Wow. One of the, the most fun things I offer, though, is is once we find the cervix, I ask if they want a picture of their cervix on their phone and women do they love that (laughs) really they love it because it's such a cool part of the body that is you know obviously a bit difficult to see on one's own um and they've never seen it and it's such an incredible part of our bodies it does amazing things and have really have the opportunity to see like this is what your cervix looks like and we've had women like after they do it they'll go up to reception and be like look look what i've (laughs) on my phone or I know, I've had one come back be like, I went to lunch with my girlfriends and like showed them the picture of my surface. <laughs> it's fabulous. Like that's what I really want. Um, so, you know, like we offer that, you know, picture with it as well. Uh, I always give a little sample of like pelvic health tea um, after it. So it really becomes this holistic grounding experience um, where you are involved as much as you want to be. Right. And, you know, because women have such negative experiences associated with PAPS. And there's a lot of fear. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of fear around the speculum itself. Lack of control as well, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like you're not in control of what's going on to your body. And you can be. If you if you want to be in charge of the speculum, you can. I don't need to be. And like a really good example, too, is that, you know, did you know that speculums come in different sizes? No. Oh, my God. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my we, God. We carry a small, medium, and a large. So I, you know, I kind of look at the person and judge what I think we should use. But certainly it's happened where initially it's clearly been too uncomfortable. So let's toss that one and get a better size. Easy. They're disposable. This is not a big expense. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. Not a big deal. No. But, you know, like most women don't know that. I mean, like they think it's a one size thing and it doesn't have to be. And it it plays a huge role on comfort level during that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I know. I'm just. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, right. I, you know, I love what you're, um, I guess, gifting the world or gifting your clients because, you know, just hearing that they're going out with their friends and showing, you know, pictures of their cervix. Who would have thought even a, I know, a couple years ago or a decade ago that people would be that excited about their bodies, which we should be. Our bodies are amazing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it really warms my heart to know that what you're mm-hmm. providing, the type of experience that you're providing in uh, a holistic healthcare way is benefiting uh, women in general and uh, probably the world, like maybe not just women. Yeah. Well, just you think know? of the ripple effect, right? One person learns how to be in touch with their pelvic health. They give that information to like their daughter, their daughter, like that's just a ripple effect of that or their friends or right. It's, it's mind blowing. And I do want to say, um, I wanted to mention this earlier. I never thought about learning about my pelvic health because I am not a mother. I've never birthed a child. And so I was like, cause a lot of my friends have, well, most of my friends have had children. And so that I've heard them talk about going to a pelvic floor specialist or physiotherapist or whatever they, they term it. I never thought that that was an option for me. And I feel kind of mm-hmm. sad that I didn't understand that about myself, that I didn't know that that yeah. I don't have to exclude myself because I'm not a mother and I didn't birth a child. Um, but the fact that I have a yoni, a vagina, whatever you want to call it right now, I have one and it needs like it needs care. I should be taking it should be well taken care of. Exactly. Yeah. By myself. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, you, you touched on so many things there. So I, I think part of it is like when you said by yourself, I, I so firmly believe that women are the experts of their bodies, right? Like, you know, your body better than anybody else. Yeah. You know, changes that happen within it. You're the expert. I am not. I, I firmly reject this notion of like, I am the health expert on something. I am merely a voice that contributes to the conversation. Mm-hmm. 
I, I really emphasize that Love more. That. You are the expert of your life and your body. I am offering you an option and then you have to decide whether it resonates with you. What an empowering thing that you're offering there, right? Yeah. And, and then to expand our understanding of what our pelvic health is all about and who gets access to it, right? So we have such a limited definition. You know, this area of our bodies is for pap, sex, and babies. And that's it. That's really all it does. And if you haven't had sex, if you haven't had babies, right. then you don't get full access to it. Right. You know, you haven't birthed a child, so you don't need to go to a pelvic floor physio. Well, that's wrong. That's just wrong. You know, I've seen women who have never had sex and they've never had a pap exam because they've been told that they you, they don't need oh to do that God. because they haven't had sex. Wow. There's a very big conversation piece about like what a path is for, the connection with HPV, how HPV is trans, you know, transmitted, all of these types of things. Like there's a conversation piece that needs to go there. But just the, the thinking about the connection there, like you haven't had sex with another person. So therefore you don't need to take care of this area of your body to the same degree. I mean, yes. That's wrong. Yeah. Someone else has to be in contact with you in order for you to actually know what's going on or and to get care. And to care for yourself. Yeah. What? That's just bullshit. It's total bull. So it's it's just incredible. These stories that we get told um, culturally from the medical system. Yeah. You know, in our families, all of these core beliefs we've internalized and they can really show up acutely in our pelvic health. And I bet too, like the fear, especially I think for for young women, teenage girls or, you know, young adult um, women. Um, there might be a lot of fear going to a doctor because of mm-hmm. the experience of, you know, what if I have something, you know, am I going to have control mm-hmm. at all? Or like, what are what are the boundaries? And because it's such a new world to them at that time, right? And so I imagine it'd be really scary. And therefore, mm-hmm. They wouldn't go. Right? Like, I remember yeah. when I was that age, and it was like, no, I don't want to go get a pap because... Uh, like, I don't want to see a doctor. I don't want to talk about it even. Yeah. Right. Like it was such a scary thing. Like what if they find something that's awful? You know, I don't, I don't know how to handle that. And so there would just be a And there needs to be discussion, Mm -hmm. right? Like, well, what is a PAP for? What is it looking for? What could it find? Right. And, and this is something we really get a lot of, um, training for when you're training to be a birth doula. You know, you help to really hold space for, a pregnant person or a couple through the decisions they have to make during pregnancy and birth, because you have to start thinking of it very critically, like, okay, they're offering you this test. What is this test for? What would the outcomes mean? How do these outcomes impact what you would like to have happen during your pregnancy and your birth? Is that information worth it for you? Would you regret not knowing it? You know, like all of these different ways of approaching these types of decisions. And I think that the same should be applied for other areas of health. Right. So, you know, you've been told you need a PAP. Well, do you understand what that's looking for? Do you understand the implications of what this result means? And then what choices do you have there? Like we should be fostering that type of approach to any type of medical consent with our children from an early age mm-hmm. from my perspective. Yeah, there is not, yeah. there isn't, I mean, in my world, there's never a conversation about this. It was, I think that's why, I mean, I just turned 44 and now I'm now just starting to like learn. Cause it's like, I'm, I'm starting to like, yeah, I want to know more about my body. There's something going on here. Right. And just mm-hmm. being, wanting to be empowered in that place and, and connected to all parts of me. I think that's so important. Right. And the conversations mm-hmm. that aren't happening. We're not cut off from the belly button yeah. down and it's outside of us. No, that's, <laughs> that is how I felt. Yeah. Seriously. I swear yeah. to you. That's what I've... Yeah. And, and that's how a lot of women yeah. feel. So a, a lot of clients that I end up working with when we start doing holistic pelvic care and we're doing that initial internal assessment, I can really feel if they're present in their pelvic bowls. Or if it kind of stops, like right around their midsection, and it's like, okay, so we need to kind of work on some breath, 
and just bring your awareness to this area because we have been very systematically trained to not be connected to this area. Again, it goes back to the sex paps and babies, right? And even paps, like you are not going to maintain presence in your pelvic bowl while someone is doing a pap, quote unquote, to you, right? Because like, who wants to be present for that? It's a horrible, sterile clinical experience. Oh, it's brutal. Yes. Yeah. The tiles become infinitely fascinating above your head, right? Like it's horrible. So Mm -hmm. we're very good at disconnecting. Because we've really had to. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a muscle in the sense that you have to learn and train yourself to connect. It's, yeah, cause even as you say that, I'm remembering, um, because this book, the, the book club that I'm a part of with you and part of the book is about doing, like you said, the internal massage. Um, I, and breathing into certain places, I, ch- I, I, for me, I'm noticing I check out so fast. I'm like, oh, no, mm-hmm. so just breathe. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, breathe. Like, it's so, it's such a great learning experience for me to understand and note how disconnected I am and how quickly I can disconnect if I'm tapped in. And like you said, training myself. It's it's training to, to, to connect. Absolutely. That makes me think of, um, because similar um, when I was going to, through physical therapy, you know, talking about that massage, right? And what I thought was so fantastic that I hadn't thought about before was I didn't actually have to start with touching at all. No, yeah. And massaging at all. Like it was all this visualization and you can go as slow as you want. Right. Like that was, I think, the most beautiful part about connecting with myself was that I could set those boundaries for myself and say, okay, right now I'm just going to do a visualization and picture what, you know, even what it looks like down there. Right. (laughs) And um, even if I couldn't take a mirror and take a look. Right. Which um, could be really helpful, but could be really challenging for some people. Find a picture um, of one, like get a, go to the library, get a medical book and look at a vagina or, a or Google it. Maybe you could Google. My favorite resource is the beautiful cervix project, right? So you could go check out the beautiful cervix project and they have tons and tons of pictures of cervixes oh, and what they look like at different times of the month after certain procedures, pre-baby, post-baby, there is not a one size fits all. Can you say that again, where people can look for that? If they just Google the beautiful cervix project, it'll come up. I'll put it in the show notes. Awesome. Awesome. Because I think that could be really helpful for mm-hmm. some people. Because I know it was for me um, to, you know, actually part of my process. Um, I'm an artist. And so I actually, in order to connect, um, I actually drew a vagina. And it was because it was still external, but it was still allowing me to connect in a way that um, felt comfortable for me. Right. And it was just for me. No money else had to see it. So I think that, you know, touching into um, what feels right for you back to listening yes. to your body. Right. And what your boundaries are. Yeah. And so. we would never try to push the body to do something that it's not ready to do right so I try never to go into pelvic floor work with a preconceived notion as to like oh well, they're reporting pain so it's probably associated with this it's like no we can't really do that we we kind of go in and see what comes up see what's there and go with the fluidity that it presents what a different process from mainstream medical yeah right yeah. right yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can <laughs> Well, it's it's one of the reasons I put together the book club, too, is that, you know, this whole notion of like, you know, vaginal massage or internal work is a bit intimidating and a bit daunting for a lot of people. So I thought that the book club would be a good way of, um, you know, testing the waters for someone who's interested but doesn't really want to fully commit <laughs> to that process yet, so, which is fair. Like, like, this is a very sensitive intimate um, type of uh, examination or body work, however you want to call it. Like this is not examining an ear here. <laughs> like, let's be very honest, right? So, so that's okay. Like it's okay to feel nervous about this type of thing. I just, so. yeah, mm-hmm. the whole process. Can we talk about the energy, the energetic side of the pelvic bowl? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can separate the two, frankly. Right. So can you say more about that? 
Sure. Um, so this is what Tammy really gets into in her first book called Wild Feminine. And so um, different energies are associated with various organs um, and various sides of the pelvic floor itself. So generally speaking, um, you know, the, so the anterior floor of the, of the pelvic floor, so that's the, the side that's kind of around your bladder, that can be associated a lot of times with fear. Um, and especially it can get involved in um, birth experiences. Uh, the posterior side, which is the side of the pelvic floor that's around your rectum or your, your lower back, that has a lot to do with support. That makes sense. And so how you're experiencing support. Yeah. Um, and then generally the right side of the body is associated with kind of more masculine type of trait. So kind of that yang energy in Chinese medicine seeing projects through to completion, getting things done, that fire energy. And the left side is more associated with that feminine energy. So receptivity, creativity, um, kind of brainstorming, having all of these ideas, that type of thing. Um, and so how illnesses or imbalances can manifest is kind of this interplay between all of them. Um, the uterus can really be associated with grief. And holding a lot of grief that can show up mm. a lot. Um, and the vagina itself has a lot to do with, uh, you know, kind of boundaries. What are you allowing to come in and what are you allowing to, to go out as well? So we can, I, I love using her framework as a way to look mm. at health issues that are manifesting for women. They tell the story. They tell a story. Our bodies do tell stories. For sure. Is your head blown right now, Vicky? I'm just looking at Vicky and she's just like, she just has this look on her face. Her her mouth is open a little bit the whole time. And and this is like not, I'm not used to this, Vicky. I'm not. So I'm like checking in here. How you doing? I'm yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm in and out. Because <laughs> this is like, this has been, and I don't know if you noticed when you um, were listening, Kate, to the episode with Nadine. But this is a topic that is uncomfortable for me, and it's been really a journey to get where I am right now. So mm-hmm. um, I do find myself, you know, coming in and out and reflecting, and which is good. It's part of my process. Yeah, that should be respected. Yes. You know, contracting and expanding. And so I've come to know that that's a bit of where I'm at, and I'm okay with that. And I stretch a bit each time. So mm-hmm, you do. This really is um, helping myself in a way of stretching a little bit more into becoming more connected again to myself and into my body. So, yeah, I, I, my mind is actually just I don't even know what to say anymore. Well, one, one of the things that really resonated with me that Tammy mentioned during the, um, the training was that there is so much medicine within your body. And I absolutely love that because it reinforces that notion that everything we need is within us. We need to learn how to access it for sure, but we don't have to keep searching without. It's not so external. There is already so much medicine and so much wisdom within our bodies. And I love that. I do too. Yeah. I guess I've, I've believed that with, um, as a therapist for my clients, but I guess I never realized it in the sense of physical well-being, right? That yeah. actually I have everything I need, like you said, or like Tammy said. It's powerful. Um, the medicine is within me. I really love that. And I think that's what I'm going to take away and maybe be a little bit more curious. Yeah. It's a very nourishing concept. Right. And and again, women have been really taught yes. to, you know, be disembodied from their bodies and to look at experts around them for help and not trust what they innately know to be true. Um, and so, it, it, you know, those first few steps, trusting yourself again can, you know, be very scary at times because we have been systematically taught to not know our bodies and to not trust our guts right and not engage with our own body yeah. yeah and and especially when it comes to this area as well like we've really been taught that any type of touch right um in our pelvic region is sexual unless done by a healthcare professional right so if you're touching yourself down there right it is only sexual like there is no other possible way of physically connecting with this region of your body 
unless it's sexual. And that's wrong. I mean, again, it's just wrong. It's so wrong. Your pelvic floor and your pelvic bowl are made up of muscles. And just like our traps and our shoulders can get tense and out of balance, so can this area. And so this area deserves massage as well. I've been doing the pelvic care for, gosh, now, I think seven years. I, I think it was around there when I did the training. And the amount of times that sex has come up as a topic while we're doing internal work, I think maybe a couple times. Right. Like it's pretty minimal. It's it's very interesting how it doesn't come up very much. Like it totally can if that's where we kind of go conversation wise. But it's really not the main thing no. that we focus. I I have to say I because I'm doing self vaginal massage now right to learn about my body and my pelvic floor and to let it tell me a story and I was like what's this gonna be like I don't I don't know what it's gonna be like and I was like is it gonna feel sexual like is it gonna feel like I'm masturbating it's so not it is so <laughs> not and I was having this conversation with some friends that I was with the other night and two men were there and they were like one was like but how could it not be sexual I'm like it's just not like it's not I wasn't aroused I was fascinated <laughs> but I wasn't aroused <laughs> at yeah. all like there was no no nothing like that it was just like this it's kind of mind-blowing and I, I I was like this is my glute like I'm releasing part of my glute from the inside and I'm a runner so I was like oh my gosh this feels amazing Yes. Right. And I, w- I was I was really just blown away by the whole experience. And I was like, I don't know what this is. These things are um, right. And so I think we talked about that in our last group where I was like, right, I- I'm I like to, to know things that I have to let that go. Yeah. Just be in the moment. Just experience it. Breathe into it. Right. So. So, yeah, yeah very fascinating experience. And I'm so, I just feel really grateful that this is a part of my journey. Mm, it's, it is empowering. It is. It is challenging at times, for sure, but I feel like the best gift I can give to myself and to other people is to learn about me, really, and take care of myself in ways that, like, no one else can. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely good message. Absolutely. I was really shocked with the massaging at how painful it was, actually. It was, like, how tense um, I was around that. It, you know, around the vagina or even like in, so I've, my hip flexors have always been really bad. And in part of my physical therapy, which I didn't realize they go like right up into your um, torso. Oh yeah. And then like right down, they consider down into your thighs, I believe, or something. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. And so she was like doing my pelvic work up in my abdomen. And um, because all of that area was really like stone rock solid and same all the way down towards my vagina. And so it was just like, wow, like the, the amount of, um, or the, the lack of attention, I guess that I've had has built up this kind of protective, um, muscle and, you know, it's, it's very constricting and, um, how it really impacts the movements in my day, right? Like my hips are terrible and, you know, working on massaging um, even around my, cause I had C-sections with both my children um, and how that affected me was huge. And nobody told me about scar tissue or, you know, what to do with it. And I was amazed when I was getting my physical therapy done, she started to do work around my scar tissue and yeah, and I was amazed at how my back started to improve. It was like, what the heck? Or my, like the, my hips, how they felt different because just the massaging around my scar tissue there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you touched on so many things there. Like, so one of the important things is to understand the role of fascia, Right. So fascia is this connective tissue, this very like crystalline substance that wraps around muscles um, and our organs, keeps things lifted. And when someone has surgery, you know, you're cutting through layers of muscle, of course, but you're also cutting through the fascia as well. And when that starts to repair, I, I describe it very much similar to like saran wrap. Um, you know, it can get kind of bunched up and sticky. 
is what the fascia can do. And when you have fascial restrictions, they can really manifest as these very sharp, localized areas of pain. And so helping to smooth out the fascia um, can really decrease a lot of pain and bring a lot of circulation and nourishment to those muscles in those areas as well. So so understanding that fascia is a really important thing is, is big for any type of surgery care, especially for the pelvic floor, all of that. And then when you were mentioning, um, you know, how tight those muscles were, again, it's such a good educational piece that we have really associated tightness with health, right? You know, you want to have a quote unquote tight vagina or a tight pelvic floor because that's youthful, that's sexy, you know, that's healthy. But tightness is not a good thing, right? Strength is. Strength is totally a good thing and we should all be working towards strength. But tightness and strength are not the same thing. And women really need to understand the difference between the two, mostly because a strong muscle will move. Even if there isn't like a high degree of strength built up there, that's fine. But you could still have movement, whereas the tight muscle, generally speaking, will not move as much. But we really have associated it with health. And that's, again, it's wrong. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, I really have experienced that tightness is not being helpful at all. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And that, Vicky, I want to point out to our listeners, too, that and, and Kate, you can probably elaborate on this. I'm sure you can because this is your jam. <laughs> I mean, so am I. Like, um, that the physical symptoms we have elsewhere in our bodies is pelvic bowl. Can you say a little bit more about pelvic bowl so that the listeners can understand what exactly that is? Yeah. So if you think about hips, like what the pelvis looks like. So, you know, everyone should just Google, you know, female pelvis or something. You're really talking about a bowl. Because it's cradling or holding these internal organs like the bladder, the uterus, the rectum. There really is a bowl-like quality to it. And the pelvic floor muscles themselves are kind of strung in this hammock-like shape. So that's why it's just a really lovely image to think of it as a bowl and how it's holding you as well. So that's kind of the pelvic bowl thing. And then circling back to what Ariane was saying about how it can be connected to other areas of health. um, I think it also lends itself to the conversation around what is normal and what is common. Right. So period health is a really good um, discussion point here. So period cramps like pain is not normal. Period pain is not normal. It's very common, but it isn't normal. Oh. Yes. So some degree of cramping, you know, like around day one or so, just kind of that like awareness, like, okay, things are starting to move. I can kind of feel it coming on. That's fine. Like that's just, you know, your body shifting. And of course your uterus is a muscle. And so it moves as it is moving tissue and fluid out of your body, right? But this type of debilitating, have to take my doll on the couch for two to three days, that is not normal. Really? It is not normal. And we should be rejecting that as our experience with periods. So one, so one thing I like to say is that, you know, you have a right to a pain-free period. Mm. I love that. And that's, that is a really revolutionary thought because that is so not what we are socialized to believe, nor do we think we have a right to it. We think that this is the curse of Eve and this is what we just have to live with. Um, and all of these horrible damning things associated with periods. And it's again, just wrong. So it really lends itself to that. Like what is connected back to pelvic floor health, pelvic bowl health, um, and what should we reject as being common versus normal? Right. And to hear that that's it's it's normal, like that's OK. Like it's OK that that happens to you. That. Yeah, it's. Oh, I love that. Like I had no idea. Right. Most people don't. Yeah. This is just what you have to live with. And it's like, well, is that true? <laughs> should we not do a little more investigation before we come to that conclusion? So. Yeah, you know, the amount of, um, like, I, I work with a decent amount of, of teenagers, I would say, in my practice, and how many of them at, you know, 15 or so 
get put on um, the birth control pill to, quote, balance their hormones just drives me nuts every time because this isn't balancing hormones. This is not what the pill does. I'm very grateful we have hormonal contraception. I'm happy this is an option out there. It needs to be an option. But we need to better educate women as to how it works and what it's going to do in your body. You know, most women don't know that oral contraception stops ovulation, right? That's not really part of the informed consent discussion. And it certainly doesn't balance hormones, right? It is an external source that suppresses your own hormone production. So yes, it will relieve your period pain, but it's because you're not ovulating, you're not really having a period anymore. Oh. And what's that type of impact? Yeah, therefore it's not balancing it. Yeah, of course not. I remember of course not. trying the pill and um, it just like hormonally and emotionally wrecked me. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, I can't I can't do this. There has to be a different way. Um, so, yeah, I totally that makes sense to me. I have a question. So and it's around the actual uh, mechanical part of our pelvis. Um, and how that, uh, how do you address that? Cause like for myself, um, I have osteoarthritis, um, in my hip. And like, I'm wondering if there is like other internal stuff that has happened that impacts the mechanical part as well, because we are like everything's connected, right? Like, do you do a lot of work on the mechanical side of things? Well, it would depend on who you're going to go see. So, I would say that all of holistic pelvic care is addressing the mechanics, right? Because we're doing internal massage and internally no musculoskeletal release, fascial release, but we have the option of looking at this mental emotional component with it. With something like osteoarthritis, I would really bring in my naturopathic medicine tools at that point, right? So looking at joint support, overall inflammation in the body, those types of things, because those are always, you know, the tools that we would go to to deal with that type of arthritic condition. Um, so that would be my my perspective on it. I, l- I love that you have that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, of, of course, like the pelvic floor has a mechanical component to it, obviously. Right. Like it's part of our body. But I just think that healing can only go so far if you only address the mechanics. Right. Especially in an emotionally charged and energetically charged region like the pelvic bowl, um, you will only get so far if you don't address the mental emotional piece. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's important to remember. There's so much involved. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's just so much. And then there's the intergenerational trauma as well. Mm. Right. Because you're, you know, yeah. when when you were in your mom's womb, right, like. You're, if you're a female like infant, then your eggs are already formed, right? So your grandmother carried you while she carried your mom, right? So there's that link between the generations. And so there's some people who would argue that what your grandmother experienced during her pregnancy with your mom also impacts you yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's just the trauma lineage, right? And so we hold that in our pelvic spaces as well. Um, so one thing I wrote about was it last last year, whenever the first lockdown happened, hard to remember, <laughs> was that there really was this feeling of scarcity in our culture. You know, our culture is not used to seeing empty shelves at the grocery store and not having toilet paper yeah. at the ready and access to all these things. And I, I think it really... We, we knew this experience on a cellular level because most of our ancestors went through some type of scarcity experience, whether it was famines, war, having to immigrate for a variety of reasons. Like most people did not come from from lineages that were not that were not touched by something. Right. Um, so I think having this type of experience with the pandemic and feelings of scarcity, uncertainty, you know, what's going to come next. We just know this in our bones as women because so many of our ancestors went through it. Um, and that will show up in the pelvic bowl. And I've seen that within the past year that the pelvic bowl tension patterns have shifted because this is where we hold stress big time 
this is where we hold stress. And, and when we're actually doing internal work, what one of the most fascinating things I've found is that when we're talking about something, so as we're doing internal work, we are, we're always talking, there's always conversation, that when the woman talks about a particular experience, her pelvic floor will change. And that will give me a really good sense as to like, hmm, maybe we need to go there a little, a little bit more. Or, you know, you talked about, you know, this creative experience you really love, you know, like gardening or journaling or whatever. And, you know, the energy just increased in your pelvic bowl. Everything became really supple and movement and it was great. And then you talked about this other experience and the muscles just clamped down. Wow. Right. That there is such a dynamic area mm. of the body that it will shift depending on what is being discussed. It's just mind blowing. Yeah. Wow. So when you bring consciousness to what your body is telling you in the moment, wow, the information is just tremendous. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> Vicky's never just been like, wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that, I'm loving this. I love it. And I have to say, Vicky, you said vagina three times, I think, in the episode. So. Oh, is that a big? Is that a big thing for you, Vicky? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Talking, talking about, um, this is a stretch. It is. It is a big stretch okay. for me to talk about, um, body parts, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. especially when it comes to, I'm going to do it, Ariane, vaginas <laughs> and penises. And should I, I just go through all of them? Like testicles. <laughs> do <and> it. <laughs> talk about sex and intercourse and masturbation. We'll just go through all of it. All the things, <laughs> all the juicy things. Almost a year ago. She couldn't. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, so proud of you. It's been a a journey to to be okay with just talking about that stuff. Yeah, it has been. Other people could say it. It's fine. Yeah. But for me to be able to actually even talk about this topic is, is something. And I think it's important to acknowledge that because I think a lot of people think they're being helpful Mm -mm. when really they're being dismissive. And it's like, oh, it's just another body part. Like just, you know, it's just a penis or it's just a vagina. It's like, yes, these are body parts, but they're a little more intimate. Like, let's be honest here. And so, you know, whenever I'm doing a PAP too, we kind of break the tension in the room by saying like, this is an invasive exam. Like, let's, let's be really clear here. Like this, again, this is not looking in your ear. Like, this is a very intimate experience. So we need to give that the respect yeah. that it deserves, too. Which I love. I lo- yeah, it's great. I love that. Because yes. you don't know, I think the beautiful, what I'm hearing you say, and which I think is beautiful, is that you're actually acknowledging the person who is in front of you, not knowing what their background is and what their experiences are and being really direct and real about what you are doing there and being as informative as possible, which is this honoring the person that's in front of you, which is so important to create this like safe place for someone who, like you said, this is an intimate process, right? Well, and, and it's one thing that, you know, we have a separate intake form for pelvic care, um, as opposed to other health conditions. And I ask more targeted questions in it, um, just to do some screening before we do this type of work. And that's, it's one of the, it's one of the issues I have with mainstream physiotherapists as well, is that they, they don't screen for abuse. That's a problem. And I think that that's a problem if you're doing, yeah, if you're doing internal work, of any kind, um, this should be a question that is asked because you just don't know. And I think with the Me Too movement, it was quite apparent that unfortunately, this is most people's experience in some form or another. Um, And so you need to know that information and to at least acknowledge it. It doesn't mean you have to you know, dive deep into that conversation during the session, but there needs to be acknowledgement that there have been boundary violations in the past. Um, and this is important when you're about to go into this work. Yeah. I'm surprised that there's not that, that conversation or in the intake. It just surprises me a little bit. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not knocking physios. I refer to them all the time because what they do is quite different than than what I do. And I think the collaboration between the two is, is really kind of the pinnacle of of care. Um, But I've definitely been surprised at um, how it's, it's just, it's approached very clinically. Yeah. Um, So, you know, pros and cons to Mm -hmm. that. 
Right. Which was wonderful in um, like the physical therapist that I have for the pelvic floor. Like, is that something that you find that um, is just physical therapists in general or the and that um, pelvic floor physical therapists actually do question that or is it just across the board? Nice. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of pelvic floor physios ask about abuse. Okay. I really haven't. Or acknowledge kind of the mental, emotional aspect of the pelvic floor. Some totally do. And those are the ones I refer to. But but it's still very much approached from like a clinical musculoskeletal perspective, which again has its place and is good. We need those types of resources. But I just think it only takes you so far. Right. Because I think my physical therapist did. Yeah. Yeah. And and like, again, there are some who do. And I, I'm so grateful we have them and I'm happy to refer to them as well. Um, but it certainly isn't a standard thing at this point. Yeah. Wow. That is surprising, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate. I mean, it's probably just surprising for us, Vicky, because of the nature of our work, right, too. So, yeah, it's interesting. OK, well, I feel like that's just been like an amazing just over an hour conversation of like pelvic health. And I feel like we could just, I honestly feel like I could keep going. <laughs> right. Me. Oh yeah. Like there's, there's so much more we could talk about. <laughs> there really is. So with that, how can um, people get a hold of you, Kate, um, if they do want your services and to, to learn a little bit more about their own pelvic health? Yeah. So um, they can check out my website at uh, yourpelvicnd.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. So my handle is at your pelvic ND. And so they can always just shoot me a message there, go onto my website, check that out um, or send me an email if they want to have just some questions answered um, before kind of coming in to see the process that way. And uh, right now we're doing um, our summer session of the Wild Feminine Book Club. And I do. Yes. And I do intend on offering it again in uh, in the fall. Um, So that's a really nice way of going through the book um, with a guide like me and other women who are interested. It makes it very um, accessible, yeah. digestible, and yes. uh, and really fun too. And we have some really epic swag bags. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> I just got my swag bag, and it's so amazing. Yeah. I do recommend the book club. It's it's so to go through yeah. this with other women. It's just priceless, really. So I'm really grateful that you offered this. I'm grateful that I found it and found you. And I'm learning about this relationship. It's I think it's just it's every woman should do this. Honestly, yeah, the the main one of the main takeaways I had from doing the course in Portland was that this work is every woman's birthright. Yes. Oh, just 100 percent. We all have a right to this. Yes. Did you hear that, listeners? Say it. Say it again. Yeah. So every woman has a birthright to this work. Yes. Read that in, embrace it and take a step. (laughs) Just take a step, whatever that is. Right. Yeah. 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 Whatever. So, and I, and I'm not kidding when I say like the book club is, it's very gentle. It's very nurturing. It's very loving. Um, and so I really highly recommend it. So well, it might be something that I have to do too. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to access all of your services. <laughs> awesome. uh, okay. So thank you so much for coming and being a guest on our podcast. Um, it was really great to hear more about what you do and to share what you do. Cause I really believe that this is something that needs to start. It needs to be a conversation, more of a conversation now. Yeah. So start sure. building the so, community. Yes. Imagine what our community would be with, uh, you know, really informed women. We're pretty, pretty unstoppable. Right? Unstoppable. <laughs> Again, thank you so much, Kate. It was just, it's so lovely to have you with us. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Maybe a second episode at some point. Sure. I'm always down for that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Thanks so much. All right, listeners. Thanks for learning about your pelvic health. Like. Take action. Get on get on board here. Until next time, be well. Be safe. Stay safe. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Relationships Reclaimed. You can reach myself, Vicki Wilburn, on my website, masterpiececounseling.com. This is Ariane, and you can find me at ariannemore.com. 
on Instagram at Arianne Moore Life Coach, and you can request to join the Tribe of Empowered Goddesses on Facebook. <laughs>